Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're just joining me for the first time and you've heard me talk, uh, heard my show, you'll know that I, you'll learn, ha, I cannot think right this morning. Um, the reason I say good morning, afternoon, and evening is because since we are live on iHeartRadio, and this also goes to podcasts that's listened to in over the world, that... I never know what time zone somebody's going to be good morning, afternoon, or evening for them. So, be here with you as always, sitting here at the radio station at WAXE, iHeartRadio, here in Vero Beach, Florida. I love being here with you because I get to bring you such amazing guests who talk about topics to help you in business and in life achieve their highest levels of success, whatever that means for you. And we've had some guests on that have helped you try to define what success means. And today, it is no different. I have an amazing guest on, Alan Ting. He's a TEDx speaker, number one best-selling author, mindfulness leadership advisor, certified high-performance coach, Tony Robbins senior leader. He's a dear friend of mine who um, saved my life literally one day, as far as I'm concerned, he saved my life at an event. I had a keynote when I was exposed to some black mold and had some difficulties getting through what I needed to do. So, Alan, welcome to the show. It's an honor to be here, and I say it's a great day to be alive and out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, and for you, it's really early because you're in California. Yes. So you had to get up really, really early, didn't you? Yes, I did. Okay, but you've got a daughter, so you're used to getting up early, right? Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Kids, you have parents out there, you know what I'm talking about, like sleep deprivation is, is one of those like commodity we all wish we had more of right (laughs) yeah exactly and i know today we're going to be talking about how to overcome entrepreneur burnout but for anybody listening uh, there's parent burnout there's marriage burnout there's child burnout i mean burnout hits so many people doesn't it alan yeah it does it is crazy right Uh, if you look around the country it's it's burnout left and right I, i don't know if you look into it but wall street journal came out and did a report saying that one out of every four americans have chronic stress and cdc reported 84 billion billion dollars right in a year of the uh, loss due to employee absentees for the productivity and it's a huge issue with our country right now and if you look at burnout burnout affects every aspect of our lives from from our financial perspective, from our relationship, from our personal health, it just affects every single point of our life. You know, having struggled with stress a lot over the last few years, including uh, a bout of PTSD, uh, you know, I fully believe that stress is our biggest problem health-wise in in the world, more so than a lot of the other things that we talk about. Where we talk about cancer, we talk about cardiac we talk about all those things but i think so many of them can be minimized if we could get a handle on our stress because as you said stress affects so much in our bodies i i can't imagine that it's not causing in some ways the the diabetes and medical people you're probably going to yell at me right now but too bad um you know (laughs) (laughs) stress is probably a major factor in all major disease it is, and, and I'm glad you brought that point up because, as we all know, 
99% of disease comes from where? Stress, right? And actually, they did a huge study in UK um, back in the, uh, I believe it was like late, late 2000s, where they had it, you know, they had cures. Because, you know, like, you hear about people, you remember, like, George Burns, like, back in the days where, you know, he, he, he always smoked a cigar. Yeah. And he always drank. And this guy, how, how long he lived? Like, what, 80s, 90s years old? And he didn't die until much, much later, right? right. How is this possible he smokes a cigar and drinks, like, whiskey and vodka and, and all the, like, hard liquor and still didn't live up to a 90, right? So they, they started doing this research and looked at, like, people who, like, became vegans, like, really healthy, like, non-GMO, uh, worked out all the time versus people who actually smoked and drank cigarettes and, and, and or, or smoked cigarettes. I, I can't even talk this <laughs> All right. We're not going to do that anymore. We're both going to be able to get our thoughts out totally clearly now. Okay. We're done. We're good. Okay. <laughs> we're burned out from this burnout. Uh, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so they started doing comparison and, and realized there, there's a, a denominator behind all of this, right? With all the studies, because you, you hear like people who are like the healthiest diet and yet they still get cancer. And then they have to look at people who, who like, don't have the healthiest lifestyle, and yet they still live up to an, an, an older age, right, a higher age. And they're starting wondering why. And the big denominator is what they perceive in life and how stressed out they are. Um, it doesn't matter if, if you are a full vegan and all you eat is nothing but raw food, <laughs> but if you still have a whole lot of stress in your life, um, that can create a lot of uh, hazard, health hazard within your body. Now, some people say there's something called good stress. Do you feel that there is anything that's good about stress Hi. of any kind? <laughs> Great. So now you're talking about the holy grail of stress, right? Yeah. So uh, I, if you haven't get a chance to listen to the TED Talk by Kelly McConaughey, uh, she's uh, my yoga teacher. Uh, this is back in 2007 or so. And I've also attended her um, her classes in Stanford University, and she said for the first seven years of her research on stress as the Stanford psychiatrist, right, uh, everything she learned about stress was wrong, and what did she meant by that? They, they did a study where they took a control group of A and B, and they had them ride roller coasters, where they control A group. They, they, they love roller coasters, right? They, they get thrilled. They get, like, really high on running coasters, roller coasters. And Control B it was more of uh, people who are really afraid of roller coasters. Like, they're afraid of heights, they're afraid of speed, they're afraid of a drop, right? roller coaster and everything. And what they did was they measure their saliva before and after and see if there's any hormone changes. So, as you guessed it, um, Control A, Group A, who wrote on a roller coaster, who loves a roller coaster, after they got off, their brain refined different chemicals. They refined dopamine, right? which is like sort of the fun hormone. Right? Okay. And the control B, um, who, are, who are afraid of roller coaster, they're like, they're cringing, they're, they're just cringing their face. Or they're like that, that's me. Feet, they're walking a <laughs> draw. Now, after they got off, their brain is firing cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Now, the weird part is, think about it, it's the same exact roller coaster. There's nothing changed about it. But two different control groups have two different meanings. And this comes back to um, the holy grail of stress is, what is the meaning that we put behind a stress? 
right? I mean, you talked about distress that can absolutely help us grow, and there's stress that can help, like, pull us down. So at the end of the day, it's you who have to see the silver lining to understand what that stress is about. So there is good stress, but actually what it sounds like you're saying from this Kelly McGonigal uh, talk and everything, the research you did, that those people that enjoyed the roller coaster, it's not stress to them. To them, it's fun. So it's not really good stress. It's just they don't think of it as stress. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and, and this goes back to uh, Victor Frankl, right? Very famous author. If you guys haven't heard of him, he wrote the book, uh, Man Searching for Meaning. And he's a, a Jewish psychiatrist that was held in Nazi concentration camp you know, during the Holocaust. And as a psychiatrist, he, he, you know, he started looking around like, why did, you know, we're, we're all in the same camp, and we all know we're, at some point in our lives we're going to die. It's miserable. Right? They're put into hard labor, forced labor. Um, it's winter time. They weren't getting enough adequate clothing. Um, there, a lot of people are getting frostbite. The moment that you get frostbite on your feet and toes, you're pretty much guaranteed to, to die. Right? That kind of harsh environment. And they don't get that much food either you can imagine. So he started looking at people. Why do people, some people behave like saints? Why do people, you know, some people be, behave like, like, like this is the end of the world and they have every, um, uh, every entitlement to, to, to be selfish. And he just, out of the fascinating research, what he really found the underlying, again, the denominator is what people put behind the meaning. Because the people who are, who were thriving, who who want to live, who want to want to endure this hardship, they have this this common theme like, you know, when I get out of this concentration camp, if I do get out of this con- concentration camp, I'm going to let the world know what happened to the Jewish people, and to never ever 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 let the situation this 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 thing ever happen again, right? Versus the other group who were very pessimistic or like they have, they have no meetings. So for us, we all need to find the, the greater cause, the, the, the greater, the greater needs for humankind, if that makes sense. So we need to find some way to shift our thinking as yes. to what's going on. It can be the most horrible thing in the world, but if you can somehow find a way to go beyond it, that can help yeah. us in, in our life. Okay. So, We've talked a lot about stress, right? And and you've even given my listeners an idea of what happens in the body with stress, right? The cortisol levels go up, the fight or flight happens, hormone changes in your body versus when you're happy and excited, you get dopamine and, and other endorphins that um, make your body feel really good and all the good things happen in the body. So how is stress different from burnout? That's a great question. Um, actually, let's take a step back before that. Um, let's talk about the definition of stress, right? As do a quick, quick baseline. Sure. Um, so stress is putting too much importance into something that doesn't really matter. And if you guys like to write this down, again, stress is putting too much importance into something that doesn't matter. 
Now, Laura, like, you remember back in the days, I know for both of you and I, or it's been like decades, right? Yeah. Like, back in high school or back in college, right? Again, this is decades ago, right? Remember back in, like, back in those days where our hormones changing and we're trying to find our identities, we're trying to figure out which peer group we, we go into, fall under. There's a lot of social stress. And on top of that, what do we have? Like, midterms and finals, right? Right. And... I don't know about you, but during college, there'd be time where I like stay awake for like seventy-two hours, trying to cram and, and trying to put everything in my brain, write research paper, like my final paper, and and there's moments where like I felt like I was going through a meltdown. Uh, if you, I don't know if you guys remember back back in those late listeners out there. Well, so now that I mention it, you're like, oh yeah, there was pretty, pretty uh, some pretty stressful time, but again, for us is like many of us is like decades ago, right? Right. Are you still stressed out about it now? No. No, we forgot about it. It doesn't really matter anymore because, well, back then it was a lot of stress, but that's because we put too much importance into something that doesn't really matter. Right? And good friend well, of it mine, mattered Christian to Carlson, graduate. <laughs> <laughs> it was a short-term stress. <laughs> it was a short-term stress. Yeah, so stress is in itself short-term, right? Whereas burnout is more long-term. So a good friend of mine, Christine Carlson, who wrote the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's because it's all the what? It's all the it's small all the stuff? Small, all the small stuff. Right? And, and once you understand that from perspective, it's just like, you know, yeah, this is very stressful, but let's take a step back and, and, and really focus on what's really, what's really important in our life, what really matters to us that's important. Now, let's talk about burnout, the definition of burnout. Now, burnout is not paying enough attention to what really matters in life. So I say again, Burnout is not paying enough attention to what really matters in life. Now, one of my favorite authors of all time that completely transformed my life is Stephen Covey, right? uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right. So if you guys remember, uh, habits number two, pop quiz, you guys you remember what it was? <laughs> you're like, Alan, you're creating me so much stress right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I just want to listen to the radio. I don't want to lecture. Uh, no, I'm only kidding. Uh, okay. Yeah. No quizzes. So habit, habit number two, no quizzes. I'm teasing you guys out there. Um, habit number two is begin with the end in mind. And this is where I, I believe most people felt. Because when I was at the conference last week, uh, this is about a 4,000 people conference where like George Clooney, like Brene Brown, Viola Davis, all these people are talking. And, and everybody's talking about their, their, their goals, their, their aspirations in life, their, their, everything they want to achieve, right? So whether it's business goal, like how much money they want to uh, earn or like be able to uh, accommodate the stakeholders if they're a publicly traded company, what is the end goal for the company? But let me, guys, let me ask you guys this. When was the last time you sit, sat down and trying to figure out what is your personal end goal in life? Meaning that if, if, if you had six months left to live, and you're still healthy, right? And, and I'm sorry for, for being a, a morbid on this question, but if I can I trigger your thoughts and your, your, just basically your thought process, if you had six months left to live, and supposedly a UFO or whoever comes out and tries right. to take you away from your family, right? Um, what, would we, what would be the three most important things in your life right now? Okay, so every all my listeners out there, and if you're in the car, please be careful when you're thinking yeah. about these questions. Don't try to write them down unless you pull over on the side of the road. Um, 
If, if you're home, you know, think about this. So what are what are the three most important things if you were leaving today that you'd want to take? And for us here in Florida, Alan, that's that's a quick question that we ask ourselves every hurricane season, right? Yeah. You know, if you had to leave your house right now, what would be the three things you take? In the past, number one was always my mom, my dog, and then, um, you know, the go bag. <laughs> right. So now for me, myself, it, it's changed. Like, what are the three most important things to me are, are you know, making a difference in the world for people, helping yeah. them achieve their goals, whatever they may be, yeah. and getting clear on them. Yes. Uh, during a conference, when I gave this lecture, um, you know, the audience starts raising their hand, and, and the, the answer is pretty universal in the sense that, well, they, they want to spend more time with their family. Right. They, they want to um, uh, go travel, right? Um, they want to have more fun in their life. And it's all universal. And then one woman actually raised her hand, and she's like, um, um, sex? <laughs> <laughs> but that's and okay, And right? the starts laughing, right? And I was like, well, we know what's on, on her mind. She's like, well, at least I'm going home in a day or so. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's, it's, you know, we laugh at it, but... It's, it's a human response. It's something that connects you to people. You know, for me right now, I, I'm spending a lot of time with my friends and their dogs. And, yeah. uh, you know, I need to get out more and get health and, and stuff like that. So those are very basic human things. Yeah. Not once did you talk about, I want to spend more time at work. I want to build my business up. That's not what most people want to do right they they want to yeah. have deeper connections yeah and hence the paradox right and like not nothing at this time so we have six months left to live so again this is all about the questions right <laughs> so we have six months left to live what are the top three things or priorities are in your life and i want to spend a month in italy <laughs> what's that i want to spend a month in italy you're like traveling right yeah wouldn't that be awesome like yeah. right so so uh, nobody ever talks about checking email. Nobody talks about how much money you're going to make, right? Because, again, being the richest man in the grave is not the goal. I hate, I hate to stress that, but think, really think about it. So then you want to ask yourself, what is the end goal in your life? What do you want to have? Um, if I can share a, a personal story with you, and uh, I haven't really shared with this with anybody or out in public, but... Back in Halloween last year, so literally just months ago, right, uh, I dressed up my daughter. If you can, it's a little harder to, to be able to have a visual, but if you can imagine, like, my four-year-old daughter, we, at the time she was three, we dressed her up as a supergirl, right? She's got the red cape, she's got the, the mask, and, and, and she's got the, the basket. We're, we're about to go out for trick-or-treating, right? And I dressed up my yellow lab, uh, 12-year-old yellow lab, his name is Tiger, and I saw a picture on the internet or on Amazon. Like he was really cute as a lion. So oh, nice! As a lion, so we took him out in the neighborhood trick or treating, and everybody's really happy. Like everybody wants to pet Tiger; he's very, very adorable. Right? We had had a really good time. If you look at, if I have, if I were able to show you a picture, Tiger is just so happy. And then, literally, about a month and seven days later, this happened. Tiger couldn't get up. He lost all his bowel movements. Mm. And, and I took him to the vet. 
as I took him to the vet, and the vet says, Alan, we found a mass, a, t- a tumor right around his belly, and he's got pneumonia. Um, you need to make that decision whether or not you can put the dog down because he's in a lot of pain right now. Right. You know, and, and Tiger's my best friend. He's been with me for, like, tw- like 12 years, 13 years. He's yeah. been through everything with me. The ups and the downs and the laughter and, and me t- coming home crying. Just, he's he's my one, best friend. He's always been there. The one constant in your life. Yeah. Yeah, for 13 years. Right? And <laughs> it's so hard to make that decision. He's like, well, even if you... If he recover from, you know, he recovered from ammonia, he still got that mass. He's still in a lot of pain. Honestly, the vet's like, I don't think he's going to make it. So I came back home from the vet, and I'm still bawling. Right, and, and I found muster up the, the the energy to call my wife, like, honey, can you come home early today? You know, because Tiger's not going to make it. Come home as soon as you can. Yeah. And five o'clock, we gathered together as a family, um, and we went to go to go see Tiger at the, at the, at the vet. And we said our final goodbye. Ultimate stress. And, yeah. And, you know, one, one injection within, you know, 30 seconds is gone. Yeah. And we just stood there just, everybody was crying. Because, you know, he's, like I said, he's been with us. He's like, our, he's like my best friend. Yeah, he's your child. Right? Yeah. And he's like, his family. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, I, I, I know we're talking about my dog, but haven't, haven't we all, like, experienced, like, we've lost our loved ones in the past? It's the same type of feeling, right? And what I'm getting at is, is you know, we've got to begin with the end in mind because we really, none of us really know how long I'm going to be here, how long I'm going to be on this earth. And if you don't take time to say, I love you, you don't take time to say, I'm sorry, um, if you don't take time to say gratitude and, and focus on the thing that's really important that, that matters in our life, not the freaking emails, not the freaking work, none of those really matter at the end of the day. How do you want to live your life? Right? Because when you're on your deathbed, again, sorry to be morbid, but it's, it's, it's a, provoc- it's, it's a provo- provocative thought for you. If you're on your deathbed, you don't want to be there sitting like, you know, I, I regret it, that I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I would have done more that go travel more it's too late you have a chance now to make a difference in your life now not later don't wait okay so in order to begin overcoming burnout you need to think of your life with the end in mind if you have a goal if you have that going on and we're going to be going into the national news break in just a moment alan but if you have that in mind then i think what you're saying is that's the first step in overcoming burnout. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, and here's the thing, right? Here's a, here is the um, paradox of life. Well, they were like, and I'm going to go TV news soon, but if you sat on your couch and, and be very grateful and, and meditated uh, for a long time, and if you did this for six months, people are going to come over and take your couch and take your TV away. Right. <laughs> so that doesn't work either. So how do we really take the Eastern philosophy and the Western philosophy, and mash it together. And that's where I have the answer for you when we come right back. Come right back. Okay, and it's not TV news, it's radio news. I know you're used to being on the TV, <laughs> but today we are on the radio. <laughs> Yay! 
Because <laughs> you've, you've been on TV so much and, and on stages, radio is uh, broadcast radio is not, not the norm for you where you can't be seen because I wish everybody could see you, but we'll have photos up on the, the website and everything when you come back. So everybody, we'll be right back with more from Alan Ting, and he's going to go deeper into how you can overcome burnout. He's going to give us some tips and tricks and some questions you can ask yourself to help you do that because he's just an amazing person and um you can also subscribe to his youtube channel at meditate with alan and he's got some great stuff up there but we'll be right back with more from alan ting and remember everybody the right questions change your life so what are you asking yourself today about the life that you're living are you enjoying it are you not if you're not stay tuned and we'll be right back welcome back everyone we are here with alan ting um his best-selling book, The Instant Energy Method, teaches corporate executives and busy professionals how to have more focus, productivity, and influence at work. He's here talking with me today about how you can overcome burnout. And, you know, we talk about it with entrepreneurs, but it can happen in any aspect of your life, whether you're a parent. Alan opened the show. You were talking about, you know, your, your daughter. And then um, just before we went to national news break you were talking about having to put your dog to sleep and that those life things can really lead us into such amazing burnout where we don't want to get up off that couch we don't want to move we don't want to go to work we just want to shut everything off and how you know is it possible to truly overcome burnout i mean i know i sold my tech company because i was fried i was totally burned out i was done and I'm glad I did it and I embarked in a new career and now I'm on the radio and all that stuff. But if I had recognized that I was in burnout about eight months earlier, I could have sold my company for a lot more than I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's it's very common within the, uh, the entrepreneur and especially startup stage. Um, I was at a very high ticket event, a business summit um, about a year and a half ago was where it cost $10,000 just to get into the door, right? And the CEO and founders of Lyft, Indiegogo, and Gilt, uh, they were speaking. And at the end of the, the session, they all got a chance to ask each other this one question. And the question that the CEO of Gilt asked, you know, the rest of the other two founders was that, she said, you know, being an entrepreneur, I love what I do. Like, I aspire to it. But the thing is, the, bur- the burnout, I don't know how to handle the burnout. The burnout is real. Um, what do you guys do to, to prevent burnout? And they, they, they all struggle to find solid answers. Um, and it, that's the biggest thing. So as one of the benefits of being a senior leader for Tony Robbins is that Tony always talks about success leaves clues. So... If, if we want to, you know, be aspired to do what we do, love what we do, and, and have, like, the icing on top of the cake and have everything we want in life, how do we do that? And through this last 17 years of research, I tried all these different things. I've talked to different gurus. I've tried different, like, work-life balance strategies. None of them work until I started studying the people who actually are in the trenches, who does this day, day in and day out, people like Oprah Winfrey. Like people like Tony Robbins, people like Ariana Huffington. So going back to the question, like my question was, how did they do it? And when I started studying all this uh, and started putting together, I realized they all have these key three factors 
And if you do this, you too can have this amazing life. And going back to what we talked about, like, okay, well, um, if we focus everything that's important in our life, we're going to sit on a couch and be happy, but six months later, people are going to take away our couches, right? We're, right. Going to have, we're not going to have a family to, to support. So that's the paradox. So number one, actually before we even talk about that, let's take a step back. Um, we're going to borrow something from the ancient secret of world of yoga and meditation. So I like that everybody right now uh, to take a nice deep breath in with me. I, I know if you're driving, so it might be a little bit hard. Um, focus on your driving, of course, but if you, if you can, take a nice deep breath in with me, nice deep breath in through your nose. Exhale and release. Uh, second round of breath of fresh air. And exhale and release. I feel so much when I do that. What's that? I always feel so much better. My shoulders drop like 10 feet when I do that. It doesn't it, right? This is all conscious breathing. This is how the first step of, of eliminating stress and, and managing stress and burnout. So one last round, nice. The deepest breath you've taken all day. And exhale and release. And as you continue breathing this conscious breathing, I'd like you to remind you of this acronym AIR, A-I-R. So the air in aspiration, the air and air stands for aspiration. Right? So what are your aspirations in life? Simon Sinek said, like, if, if you're stressed out about a job, you're going to hate your job. But if you're really passionate about your job, you know, you can go, go work like 24 by 7, like day in and day out. So it's your definition of your meaning of your job or whatever thing you do. So what are your aspirations? And there are three levels of aspirations. Right? Um, so leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, if, if you want, uh, level one is personal aspiration. So you want to be the best person you at work. You want to get promoted. You want to get recognized by your peers. That's level one. Level two aspiration would be group aspiration. This would be like a parent. Right? So you want to do the best for your your kids. You want to make sure that you attend their soccer practices. Um, you help them read at night and help them grow up to healthy young adults and the level three aspiration would be uh, world aspiration this is something like what you're doing Laura you want to uh, spread your message out to the world making a difference in people's lives or in, uh, in George Clooney's case uh, last week he wanted to build water wells within developing countries now keep in mind that you can uh, go through cycle through these three different levels of aspiration, and there are no right, right or wrong answers, and this is kind of where the art is, right? More, for most people, when they talk about work-life balance, you're like, well, right, work-life balance would be like sleeping like eight hours and then working eight hours and spending time with family for eight hours out of the 24. But that's originally how, what I learned about work-life balance. Somebody told me that, right? And like, but then if, if you work in a startup world or if you work in an entrepreneurship world, that, that doesn't work. I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're burning candles at both ends. Yeah, any entrepreneur. Sleeping, you're working. Right. right. <laughs> so that didn't work. So, so you got to learn how to interweave between these, these, these aspirations. And never, and remember in the beginning, we talked, in the beginning of this talk, we talked about um, the meaning of stress. So when you choose, choose your, your aspirations, when you go after that, your passion, that no longer becomes stress. That's, part of good stress. Okay. So, so keep your aspirations in mind. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, keep your aspirations in mind and never 
never ever lose touch of that. Okay, and what's if the? If you I? don't know what your aspiration is, then go, go back and dig dig deeper and trying to find what your aspiration is really about. Okay. okay. And the I. Um, the I in air stands for integration. So going back, we talked about the eight eight eight. So eight hours sleeping, eight hours at work, eight hours at home. That doesn't work. But you know, for most people, the ideal work life balance is like if we had a hundred percent. 50% of that focus at work and 50% focusing at life. But what happens when, for example, when we have a deadline to meet at work, you know, the project, project is falling behind and we've got we to spend more time at work, we've got to go back to work at, during the weekend, we're going to have to put all of our 80% of our attention at work. Right? What happens to our family? We don't, we don't have time for that. Or what happens when you, know, you get a call from the principal's office like, Oh yeah, you need to come pick up your kids from school. You need to take him or her to the ER. So now you got to divide, divert all your attention back home. So meanwhile, we're flopping back and forth. Uh, there's no integration, and that's that's the biggest myth about uh, work-life balance. It, it isn't it isn't chasing your tail round and round. In fact, one of the executives I, I talked to, and this is kind of like aha moment, right? A light bulb moment for her, because when she's at work, she's thinking about her kids. And when she's at home with her kid, she's thinking about work. Right. And the whole time she feels so guilty that she feels like she's not living in the present moment. She, she's like just chasing her tail around and around. And, and she's just struggling with work-life balance. And it's not the balance. It's the integration that makes things happen. So have, have you guys ever seen the movie Click with Adam Sandler? Have you seen that movie? I love that movie. Oh. Okay. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Because here's, here's the biggest myth, right? So he, he gets called to work. He's got to work late hours, and then it's Halloween, and then it's Christmas, and then another season go by, another season go by. And then, like, what, 30, 40 years, 40 years later, he missed, up, he missed out on all his family's life events. And now he gained, like, 250 pounds, and he's looking at his life as he's miserable. None of the kids just want to talk to him. He got a divorce, and it's not the life he wanted to be. The, the linchpin behind all of this, if I can share this with the audience, is that you can choose your you can chase your aspiration at work, but at the same time, let your spouse, let your kids know that you're going to run full till for X amount of time, X amount of months. At the all agreement, at the end of, end of X amount of months, you want to take some time out and have family time. So again, this is the art. What works for me may not work for you. But as an example, um, I run full tilt for about a quarter, right, three, three to four months. And at the end of three to four months, the entire team family, we're going to take a break. We're going to spend three days. We're going to go on a road trip. We're going to go travel somewhere. We're going to go have fun, take my kids to Disneyland, um, you know, anything that I can do as a parent to, to bring with the family time back together. Because both my wife and I have aspirations. My wife is aspired to become a functional doctor, functional medicine doctor. And she's cramming for her exam right now. I feel really bad for her, right? Because she's getting up like five in the morning studying. And she's staying up until late at night to study. But that's, that's her aspiration. And we came into agreement that, you know, once, once she finishes her test, we're actually going to go do another road trip and go have fun. And that's the key thing you want to share with your spouse. Okay. And the R and air is... Uh, rejuvenation. So let me let me check with her, with everybody right now. Uh, if you're getting, if you're driving, like don't look at this. But <laughs> if you if you if you were to know 
what is your current battery life on your phone right now, plus or minus 20%, what would it be without looking at it? Okay, mine's 85%. Okay, so you have a pretty good guess. Now, if you were to pull your phone out, again, if you're driving, please don't look at your phone. Um, If you pull your phone out, like, are you pretty close to 85%? Oh, God, no, I just looked at my phone. It's at 99%. (laughs) (laughs) So plus or minus 20%, right? Okay. But let me ask you guys this, um, for, for those who are listening on the radio. When was the last time you checked in on your own internal battery level, like your own vitality? For, for most people, I agree, it's never. <laughs> right. But, I mean, we're still in tune with our phone, but we're not in tune with our energy. And why is energy important? Because when you have no energy, you know, you're not going to have passion in life. You're not going to have passion in your relationship. When you have no energy, you're not going to be able to focus at work. And burnout is really, Alan, burnout is really when that rejuvenation is so low, you can't even see aspiration or integration, right? You've reached that point where your battery level is nil. Yeah, I mean, going back to the the, the phone analogy, like you're down to like 2%, your phone automatically shuts down just to conserve energy so that you don't lose more information, like lose memory and all that stuff, right? So your your phone has a smart, uh, a, a trigger device to, sh- to automatically shut down before it's completely drained out of 100%. But we don't do that. We don't, uh, again, unless we actually dive into our body and, and do check and balances, we're not aware of that. And if we have no energy, what happens to our kids? They're going to run all over us. And if you guys watched the, the Office, you remember the guy that kind of made the very negative guy named Dwight Schrute? If you remember watching the, the episode? I, I never watched uh, it, but I, a lot of people do. So go ahead, that works. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, so what happens when somebody has negative energy? They're always negative. How much influence would they have? Well, in some, in some businesses, they have too much, but in most cases, no. After a while, people stop paying attention to them. Exactly, or avoidance, right? I remember one of my managers in the past, who she, and when she comes in, we're all like, I am in each other. It's like, hey, she's really in a bad mood today. Avoid her at all costs. And this is when I'm working on like million dollar opportunities. I can't even approach her to ask her for suggestions and just because she's got such low energy. Right, negative energy. So if you really look at it, energy is life. And this is what I'm getting at today. Going back to um, rejuvenation. So I'm going to share, share, share with you some of the strategies on how to rejuvenate yourself. Okay. Um, number one is the meaning charge. Uh, just like your phone, when you're down at 5%, you plug in your phone for a very short of time, and boom, it pops back up to 20%. So take that five minute to spend time with yourself. Like take a moment to do a t- quick time out, uh, do a quick five minute meditation, or maybe go for a walk. Steve Jobs is notorious for that. He's always going off for a walk to get his inspiration. Right. So those like five minutes, ten minutes, of quick recharge will yield dividends in the long run. Right? I mean, how many, how many of us like back at in the end of the end of the day we come back home? Or, come back to our family, we feel exhausted and drained and we don't have enough energy and being present with our, with our spouse and kids. Um, when you just take five minutes a day to recharge your battery, when you come home, you can have that full amount of energy and be more present. And, and going back to what really 
you what you really care about in life, what okay. really matters to most in your life. I know those three breaths that you had us take. I immediately felt like my battery charged, just even yeah, conscious breathing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what else? Can, that. What else can people do? I want to make sure we get this all in before the end of the show. <laughs> Absolutely. So, second thing is you gotta want to get get a full charge. Right. You ideally, the National Sleep Foundation says you want to sleep between seven minutes or seven hours to nine hours each night consistently. And they actually found that uh, very short because I don't want, we're running out of time here. But you can go look on research with, under the University of, of Oslo. They found a correlation between between people who are sleeping less and their shrinking prefrontal cortex. And if you guys don't don't know what that is, the prefrontal cortex of the brain that governs like decision making. Uh, reasoning, planning, all of that. And they found a good, a high correlation between not sleeping enough with Alzheimer's as, as well. Okay. Again, going back to your shrinking prefrontal cortex. So you want to do 100% charge, and how you do that is get seven to nine hours on a consistent sleep, on a consistent basis, sleep on a consistent basis. And number three is do make sure you do an operating system upgrade. Just like very often we have to upgrade our phone, you want to do an OS operating OS upgrade with your life. What that means is get off the grid, right? Stop checking email, go on a road trip, go on, uh, go, go, go fly somewhere, um, go travel. That's one of the bucket lists that you talked about. You want to go to Italy for a month. So why wait, right? Go, and instead of going for a month, if, if you don't have that much amount of time, maybe go for a week or two and go experience life. And this is what happened to us about a year ago, a year and a half ago. So, my wife's grandmother, so my, my, my wife is a first-generation immigrant that came over to the U.S. when she was a kid. And the last time she saw her grandma was about 22 years ago. And her grandma then was 87. She's 88 now. And my wife wants to see her one last time before she passes, right? Because we don't right. really have that much time left. So last year, we got an opportunity to, to fly to China. Uh, to visit her grandmother, and, and we brought our daughter with us. And during the middle of dinner, I'm just looking at the visual, like the, the three generations of women, her, her grandma, my wife, and my daughter. It's just, it's a moment like this rejuvenates my life. Because for me, uh, you know, I believe that the best thing in life, in our lives, are not things. They're the people that we love and share these amazing experiences with. And when you travel, when you share these experiences with people, with your family, you get to, you get to rejuvenate your soul. And this is one of the most important things about like living and focusing back on what's really important in our lives. I love that idea of rejuvenate your soul. That is such an that's a terrible tweet, everybody. Rejuvenate your soul. Tweet that out, everybody. Um, and, t- and tag me on it with the hashtag, it's all about the questions. So, Alan, I mean, this whole idea of AIR, aspiration, integration, rejuvenation to help uh, overcome burnout. You know, I love the idea of plug-in, recharge, just short five-minute things. Make sure you get enough sleep. And then the OS upgrade to rejuvenate your soul. Uh, to, To my listeners out there, you know that I've struggled a lot with figuring out what gives me joy now that mom has passed and everything. And figuring out what those things are that rejuvenate my soul. And last year at my birthday, Alan, I unexpectedly went off grid. I went up to North Carolina 
to for my birthday to visit some friends and there was no cell phone signal on my phone i mean it wasn't planned and my friends had signal but my phone got no signal <laughs> at all so I ended up having to be very very present while I was up there with them and I was dealing with a hearing vertigo issue that happened on the drive up there and I never I didn't realize it but being with my friends just completely with my friends and away from my environment the home that I lived in with my mom and before she passed and everything was so rejuvenating for me but I'm not sure if my listeners really know what gives them joy. So what what pointers do you have for somebody to help them, Alan, if they're suffering burnout, to begin to rejuvenate, to find what rejuvenates their soul? You know, it, it's an art. Everybody does a little bit differently. Um, well, your perception of, like, healing your soul, everybody's different. But what I can tell you is, for example, if you're single, and there, there are times where I'm single where I felt burnout, Go for a long walk. Go walk in a forest. I mean, there are signs behind it where, like, you feel so much better if you go walk, you know, do a nature hike. Or if you have a luxury to be in front of the ocean, go, go, go sit there in front of the ocean. And there are times where, like, so stressed out, so burned out, like, I want to pull my hair out, like everything's going on crazy around me. When I live in San Francisco, I would just take a drive um, to the ocean and just sit there for hours, bring a good book with me, um, a good soul-searching book, and I'll read it, and I... Even take a nap in my car and just watch the ocean wave. It's such smoothing, um, calming effect. By the time I, you know, just a couple hours there, when I, by the time I go home, I just feel so much better. So you can do that if you're single. Um, if you're a parent, if you got kids, spend more time with them. Again, going back to not being so morbid, but we really don't know how much time we have on this earth. Do the best you can um, to spend time with the people that you love. Growing up, Every summer we went down to the Jersey Shore where my grandparents had a house. And I remember walking down the road with my dad and my brother and my mom, and we would play miniature golf. And that was such, I never thought of it until you just started talking, but that was something that rejuvenated my dad. He loved golf, and that was his way of introducing it to us. My mom would always stand on the outside of the fence. She never wanted to play at that point. And it was just my brother, my dad, and I, and we would play miniature golf. And we always felt so rejuvenated, I guess, is the best yeah. word after that. And, and it's part of integration, right? Uh, because your, if your dad loves golf, you want to get the family involved. And now he's doing his, one of his favorite activities, and we've got the kids doing part of his favorite activities. Um, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. Right. All right. So I want to make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you. Why don't you share some of the best ways they can do that? And I know you've got some some great resources for people. Yeah. Um, I know we only have about an hour, so we, we can only uh, hit the surface. So if you'd like to go deeper with me, I have a free YouTube channel called Meditation or yeah, Meditate with Alan. So my name is spelled uh, A L L A N. Again, when you do a search, meditate with Alan. Make sure there's no spaces in between. Just all meditate with Alan is one word. Um, second, if you'd like to go even deeper with me, um, my book is on Amazon. Feel free to look under Instant Energy Method. We talked about how important energy in life is, right? So we'll, we'll cover all of the strategies on how to boost your energy, have more focus at work, and be more productive. And then lastly, if you want to, if, if this message really uh, resonates with you, love to hear from you. 
feel free to drop me an email. Uh, my email is Alan, again, A-L-L-A-N, at instantenergymethod.com. Awesome. So uh, YouTube channel, Meditate with Alan, book Instant Energy Method, and email alan at instantenergymethod.com. Alan, I want to thank you so much for being here with me today. My body always calms down just talking to you. Yeah, it's an honor being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I mean, burnout is such a real thing. And I think as Americans, we tend to try to say, oh, I'm not burned out. I just need to push through. And, and Alan, you so gracefully explained to us with your air method that we don't need to push through. Pushing through is just going to stick us deeper and deeper into stress and burnout. So... I'd like everybody who's listening right now to think about what Alan talked about. And he used air, aspiration, integration, rejuvenation. What are your aspirations? How are you integrating those into all aspects of your life? And what are you doing to rejuvenate yourself? What is your five-minute recharge? Or if you can't make five minutes, right, Alan, one-minute recharge, right? Like we did 30 seconds just taking three deep breaths. And... Are you getting enough sleep? And what rejuvenates your soul? And share out with me on Twitter or social media. At the Laura Stewart is my Twitter handle. I'm up there on Facebook the same way. My email is always is Laura at laurastewart.com. If you need some help, reach out to Alan. Reach out to me. We're here to help. And remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Hug someone you love and uh, breathe. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.